Amen. Well, as we uh, are back together today in fellowship, uh, it's good to see all of you here today. And uh, I just want to emphasize, uh, Jason will be out there with uh, just helping with that sign-ups for, for helping at the something more. Uh, so he'll help you wade through all that stuff. So uh, just jump in there, uh, be praying, truly be praying for the Something More Family Festival coming up. Uh, next Sunday, we have our last training piece. I just want you to know that. Just be aware of that. Um, you need to really be a part of that in order to be one of the counselors. That is, those that would be ready to, to share Jesus Christ when invita invitations are given uh, at, uh, at that time. Uh, so just mark that on your calendar for next week. So, you know, as we, uh, Robin and just, and Daryl, just <laughs> Jason and Mary, all just the, the whole worship this morning, just it, it, part of worship and just music and in scripture is just incredible. And one of the things that we um, are really uh, moving towards as a church is just tying in uh, scripture, music, prayer, all of those things into and leading to the sermon, which should just be really nothing more than a, uh, uh, just a part of what's already been done. And, and just, uh, I don't know about you, but I've already been blessed. I mean, seriously, I say this, I'm joking. I could say we're be good, okay? But we're here to, today, we're here to fellowship, and, and we're here to just hear from the Word of God. And, and one of the things that I, that I really want to encourage you with Especially as we think about the reading of the word and and prayer and then uh, and then singing, is that we really want it to tie together. We really want it to all blend and tie together. And I I hope that you have seen that today. I've just been blessed by what what I have heard and what I have expressed in music already today. You know, and as we as we think of this question today, uh, the catechism questions really are for me. It's 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 a if I could paint a big picture for you, it's God's it's God's big picture. Okay, it's God's it's 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 God's plan. It's God's purpose from beginning to end. It is God beginning. We begin with who is God, and now we're moving to this point in in the in the questions. Who is the Redeemer? And in between, we've seen the man, and we've seen the what God's intended plan for man was, but we've seen the fall of man because of sin and the, and the, and the desperate need it creates in each and every one of us that, that we need someone to do something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And so we come to that point of asking the question, who is the Redeemer? And it is such an amazing question. Um, as Robin was praying today in the world that we live in today, not only is, is it, is it lost and confused and there's trouble and, and struggle going on? But one of the things that, that we are really um, seeing in our culture today is this, that we are, uh, our, our world culture is deeply affected by what we would call plural, plural, pluralistic thought. And um, so pluralism is a view in which um, no one is, there, there is uh, not one correct logic or not one uh, correct thinking or belief, and alternatively, that there is more than one correct logic or more than one correct belief or whatever it might be. And so we live in this kind of dualistic uh, culture society. Just an example um, of, of what that would be is, is people's view of going to heaven. I'm telling you, if you were to go out on the streets and just talk to people, how do you get to heaven? 
Do you think you'd have more than one answer? Okay? It proves my point that there is this dualistic view. This, this, there, there are multiple ways of, of thinking about this. You know, um, many, many believe in God. Okay? I, I have not hardly been in a conversation. I mean, yes, there are people who say, I don't believe in God. But most people would say, I believe in God, but I believe that there are multiple, multiple ways to reach him. Okay? And, and that's what we're up against in the world as the Christian church. That's what you and I are dealing with in, uh, in, as we live and as we walk and as we rub shoulders in this culture. We just need to understand that it's wrong for us to assume that everyone believes like you and I do. That's why the questions are so important because they bring us back to the truths of Scripture and they, and they help us form not only a question, but they give us the answer. And so this, this morning's question biblically clarifies for us that there is only one God and there is only one way to him, or shall I say back to him, that being through the God-man Christ Jesus. And it is so important for us to catch that. This question also helps us understand that in order to enjoy a restored relationship with God and be freed from the burden of sin, we must individually put our faith and our trust in the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It must be there. In other words, Jesus is not simply the Christian route to God. He is the one and only Redeemer. Jesus Christ himself said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He is the only way. But we live in a world that says, no, there's got to be multiple ways. And it's, these questions help solidify the truth that we stand on and that we, that we cling to. Jesus, he alone, in his life and in his death, made reconciliation, big word, made peace possible for you and I with God. And again, we need to just embrace that. And, and kids, I just want to talk to you today. Okay, sometimes going to church, okay? Going, oh, do we have to go to church? Okay, can I just tell you something? These things don't, aren't just for grown-ups. They're for you. You need to embrace these truths now. You need to absorb them. When we're singing songs, it doesn't matter whether they're old or new. As we sing these songs, this music and the, and the lyrics of the songs point to the truth of Jesus Christ and of God. And we need to embrace those things. This morning, as I was spending time in the Word, I was just um, writing uh, out as I was reading. I'm in the book of Isaiah right now, and I was writing in it. Even in, in the text that I was reading, it mentions the Redeemer that is coming. And, and, and right away, um, uh, the, some of the music that we sang today came to my mind. And, and why? One of the best ways to remember truths is by music in song. And so the hymns and, 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 and children's choruses and choruses that we sing should all point us to God. It is so important. So we need to embrace these things. I just want to encourage you to, uh, with that. And, and, you know, here's some things to remember, though. I, I just want us to understand this. As we're speaking these truths today, here's some things to remember. Our culture is, uh, is affected by plural, pluralism and relativism 
and thus has a hard time believing that Jesus is the only redeemer or the only way to God. That is the world we live in. Again, I've said this, but I just want to emphasize that. It is wrong for us to assume that when we're in conversations with people that maybe are outside of the church, that, that maybe have not claimed to be a Christian, that they would see things the way that you do. Okay, so we just need to understand that. Um, most people that are, I'll, I'll use the word religious. I kind of hate to use that word. Okay, but because I have, have, have you ever had someone say, well, I'm not very religious? Okay, I go, yeah, neither am I. I go, but I am relational. I have a relationship with God. But even there, understand this. Most struggle with the concept that someone had to suffer death because of their sin. Did you catch that? That someone else had to do something in order for them to be made right. Most people would struggle with that. Others have difficulty understanding the concept, okay, the concept of the incarnation, that is, God became man in human form. I, I want you to turn with me real quickly in your Bibles to, to the book of John, John chapter 1. Okay, ready, go. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. All right, amazing passage, okay? It's not, I, I apologize for stopping where I'm going to stop, okay? But I'm just going to read the first four verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The, that word, Word, is a, a picture of Jesus Christ. So in the beginning was Christ, and Christ was with God, and Christ was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life that was the light of men, the light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We could continue to read that passage, but again, people struggle with the fact, with the idea, the concept that God became man in the form of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the Christmas story. Okay, and when I use the word story, just know that's the narrative. That's, the, that's, the, that's God's plan. God became man in the form of an infant to be raised to be a man who would then die on the cross. So the biblical truth here is, as we're working through this is that Jesus uh, being both God and man, made uh, that made him uniquely appropriate to act as the Redeemer. And we're going to work this out and flesh this out as we continue. So last week we talked about this question, question 19. Uh, is there any way to escape punishment and be brought back to into God's favor? And the answer is emphatically yes, absolutely yes, to satisfy his, that is God's justice, God himself, out of mere mercy, reconciles us to himself and delivers us from sin and from the punishment for sin by a redeemer. So then the question that we ask today is, who is the redeemer? So we go from the, yes, is there a way out? It is through a redeemer. So then you have to ask the next question, who is that redeemer, the redeemer? 
Okay? So just an illustration here, going back to question 19 of the debt that we owe, if you will. People borrow money from others uh, for many different reasons. Okay? You know, even growing up, you know, um, um, my brother Mark was a, he made money and he saved money. And he did not like to loan it out. Okay? And every once in a while, and I was pretty good at saving money, but every once in a while we'd go, hey, Mark, can I borrow 10 bucks to do this? And, and uh, oh, man, he did not want to give to me. Okay? But he goes, you owe me. He would give me that 10 bucks. And he would, like, hold it tight, you know? And I'm, like, trying to get it out of his hand. And he, you owe me. Okay? So we borrow, you know, people borrow money from others for many different reasons. And a person who borrows money is called a debtor. They are called a, a debtor. Uh, usually the debtor pays back the money that they have borrowed, but sometimes people get into situations where they cannot pay it back. They just cannot pay it back. It's not that they don't have to pay it back, okay? It's that they can't. They cannot pay it back. Maybe uh, They may uh, spend all the money that they have borrowed, and then they have no way to repay it. In early times, even all the way back into biblical times, if people were, in, uh, were uh, deeply in debt, um, they would have to go to a debtor's prison. They would be locked up until the debt is paid. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. If you're in prison for something that you owe, how do you pay it back if you can't work? Have you ever thought of that? Can, can, I, can I just add a little bit of theology to this? If we are in sin and in bondage to sin and in debt, we are in prison. Folks, if there's no way to pay that back, where do you remain? In prison. Separated. That, that's a picture. There's an imagery here that we need to, to grasp, get a hold of. When they go to that to prison, they're locked up until the debt is paid. So if they can't pay it back, um, someone else needs to pay the debt. Someone else has to work off that debt for them so that they can be set free. A person who pays another person's debt to set them free is called a redeemer. That is what a redeemer is. Someone who pays off, pays for. Even there this morning, another part of a hymn, the debt of love I owe. Okay? So question 20 asks the question, who is the Redeemer? Here is the reality. Um, here's the reality of, of everyone who lives on the earth. Folks, we all owe a debt that we can never repay and have become slaves to sin. So the Bible describes each human being as someone who is captive to sin. Romans chapter 6, just read Romans 6, and it just really fleshes that out for us. So then we must ask the question, what is needed in order for us to be freed from sin? What is, what is needed? What is necessary? And the answer is a redeemer, someone who can purchase, someone who can pay for our freedom. 
Imagine, just imagine what it would be like to be held in debtor's prison. Here's some things just to think about, from, especially from a, a biblical worldview. Because God is our maker. Do you believe that today? We've, we've discussed this way back. God is the sovereign maker of heaven and earth. He made you. He made you to, to love him, to know him, to follow him, to obey him. So because God is our maker, we owe him our obedience. We owe him our trust. We owe him belief. We owe him surrender. We owe God because God made us to be in a relationship with him. Because of our sinful nature, because of the fall uh, that began with Adam and Eve, we do not always obey God. Daryl, thank you for reading Psalm 51. It is an expression of someone who recognizes their sin and their failure before God, and they come and they repent because they need to repent in order to be cleared with God. So because of our sin, because of our sinful nature, we do not always obey God. Our sin our sin has put us into debt to God. The debt gets greater and greater because here it is, folks. We can't stop sinning. Okay? I was just watching a little video piece the other day where someone actually says, I don't sin. We can giggle about that, folks, but you know there are people that believe that. Okay, I don't sin. Okay, so understand this. The debt gets greater and larger because we can't stop sinning. Everyone who has not trusted in Christ is a slave to sin. Folks, we, that's what Romans chapter 6 says. We are a slave to sin. If we can't pay that debt of obedience, what we owe to God, our trust, obedience, surrender, following him, if we cannot pay that debt, we will be sentenced to something even worse than a debtor's prison. Folks, it is eternal death and separation from God. It is called hell. And we just need to catch that today. Again, it's not a word that gets used a lot, but but that eternal separation, that, that eternal death is... It is hell. It is being completely, eternally separated from the one who made you to be in a relationship with him. People are slaves to sin. And here's the thing, folks, are powerless to save themselves. So as we think about this imagery of a debtor's prison, this last one, people are slaves to sin and are powerless to save themselves. So what they need is more than anything is someone to redeem them. Someone to bail them out. Someone to rescue them. So a redeemer is someone who can pay the price in order for a debt to be paid so that the one in bondage can be freed. So the passage of scripture that the, the, the verse that we read is in 1 Timothy 2 verse 5. But let me just read the larger portion around that. So if you want to open your Bibles to, to 1 Timothy chapter 2, then 1 through 7, let me read that for you. And I want you to read that in light of some of the things that we've, that we've talked about, sang about, and prayed about, and read about here today. 
Because one of the things that is happening in the world that we live in, when we think about church and we think about the world that we live in, is that there's a lot of terrible stuff going on out there, isn't there, in the world? And there's a lot of times when you and I, the believer, think that everything that's happening out there, that they're all our enemies. Folks, we need to remember where we came from. The scripture says that we were once enemies with and to God, that we were hostile towards God, that we didn't want anything with God. For me, I recognized that when I was five. Okay? For some of you, it happened later in life. But we come to that point where we realize that all of us are in the same boat. And so all of us, especially the body of Christ, the, the church, the living church of Christ, we need to have a view of the world of grace and compassion and mercy. And so 1 Timothy 2, uh, 1-7, First of all, then, I urge that supplications and prayer, prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. All people. I don't care who they are, what they've done, or what they are currently doing. God says that we need to be praying for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So important for us to catch. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our, our Savior, who desires all people to be what? Saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, or men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Then the Apostle Paul goes on and says, For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, an apostle, I am telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of Gentiles in faith and truth. Folks, can I just tell you something about the Apostle Paul? We love all of his writings, right? Because they're God's writings written through Paul. But Paul was a persecutor of the church. Paul was a persecutor of, of the Christian church of God. He was killing off people and throwing them into prison for their belief on the Lord Jesus Christ. This same man had an encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and where Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the apostle Saul, the, then now the apostle Paul, had his conversion experience where he met Jesus Christ face to face. This is the all that Paul is talking about here. He is part of that. He understands the need to pray for, to lift up, to, to, uh, uh, to, to uh, lift those people before the Lord that need Jesus Christ. From the lowest of low to the highest of high, it doesn't matter the, our, our, our race or our, our, our position, any of those things, it just does not matter that we would pray for all of them. So Paul is writing this letter to Timothy and to the churches that Timothy was caring for. And in this passage, Paul is encouraging the church, to be concerned for all people. Can I just say this today, you guys? 
It's hard to be concerned for the people of the world that we live in, is it not? Is that not true? I just want to tell you, things have not changed. The Apostle Paul lived in the Roman Empire times, and if we had they we got nothing compared to what they were going through. I'm just gonna say it. Historically, go back and read about what was happening in the Roman Empire days and be a Christian during that time. Folks, we have freedoms in this country that no one has ever experienced before. And I think we just need to be careful and cautious about our opinions and our views. And the Apostle Paul is instructing Timothy, a pastor, to a number of churches. To, he is encouraging the church to be concerned for all people. Why? Because those who do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ are going to hell. Folks, that's it. I got neighbors that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. You have neighbors. We have friends that we work with, that we rub shoulders with. And I know what you're going to say. Well, how do you move from a conversation about politics to Jesus? Can I just tell you something? I'm, if you're really listening, God gave us two ears. He said, be quick to listen and slow to speak in James chapter 1. If you're really listening, you're going to hear things like, I have no hope, I have no peace, I'm frustrated, I, I'm, I'm afraid. All you have to do, if someone says, like, I just have no hope, is just say, well, could you explain that for me? You just need to ask the next question. And then they might explain. They might give you an answer, and if it's still not clear enough for you, then ask another question. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to go from nothing of a conversation to whether in politics to pointing someone to Jesus Christ. Paul is addressing the church in Timothy's day, and he says we need to be concerned for all people. Why? Because all are slaves to sin, and God wants everyone to be saved from the consequences of sin. There's something remarkable here in this text in verses 5 and 6 that God has provided a way out of captivity. God has provided a redeemer and the redeemer's name is Jesus Christ. Folks, that is the reality of this text right here in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul says that there is only one redeemer and one mediator, which implies that there is only one possible way to be freed from sin and be restored to God. That's it. There's only one way, folks. God is both loving and just. And here I'm going to throw out some thoughts, some things that we believe about God. We love to talk about that God is loving, right? But God is also just. On two opposite ends of the scale, held out in balance. In his great love, he wants people to be saved, but his justice to, demands that someone must bear the punishment and pay the price for sin. That's where we are. That's a gulf that cannot be spanned by man. God's love and God's justice. Jesus Christ is the unique and perfectly qualified redeemer. He is the only one who can redeem 
people for God and to God. And so then we have to ask a question. What makes him unique and perfectly qualified? He is God. Now we go all the way back to where we began. Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, is God in human form. Amen? That, that's just incredible. He is God who left heaven and earth and came to earth as a man. He is God, the eternal Son, and He is man. He, Jesus, can perfectly mediate. He is the, the, the mediator. This, it's a legal term here between God and us. Jesus lived an earthly life that perfectly obeyed God in every way. Jesus Christ is the second Adam who fulfilled everything that the first Adam could not do and did not do. Where Adam, first Adam, failed to obey God, Jesus Christ obeyed God in every way for you and for me. You know, Scripture and, and our, the music that we sing should just, just resonate out of your being as you think about this. And I just want to challenge you with this today. Okay? Just Scripture itself should just pop off the page. I mean, and, 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 and even the music we sing should just like resonate within us and just, ah! Should just, are you guys getting alive today? It's okay. Don't worry. I'm not going to go nuts on you. All right? But it, it should just resonate. I, you know, take a moment and, and you know, consider the, the things that I'm saying. I, you know, I, I, I think of just another, uh, uh, another passage in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5, and I've referred to it multiple times. But again, I just uh, I, I want to read it to you because it's just so important. For our sake, did you catch that? For our sake. He, God, made him, that's Christ, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Catch that. Just let that resonate, kids. Let that resonate in you. I mean, kids, how many times growing up have you said, today I'm going to be good, you know, and then and then fail and then blow it and, you know, beat up your sister or, 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 you know, lie or do something. And you go, and you start a day, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. No, here's something. God took Jesus Christ who knew no sin. And, and God took out all of our imperfections, all of our unrighteousness, took it out of us and poured it onto Christ Jesus at the cross and in exchange poured back into us. His righteousness, His goodness, His mercy, His compassion, His love, His forgiveness. All of those things poured into us. Why? Because we deserved it? No. Because He loves us and wants us to be restored to Him. Remember that, that Jesus always honored His Father God above every, everything else. He has always trusted God and followed his father's instructions for life. You see, here's the thing, folks. Jesus did not pay money to redeem your salvation. 
No, he paid with his life. He paid with his life. He willingly went to the cross on our behalf, and in so doing, he paid the price for our sin, our indebtedness, if you will, with his own life to set us free. The remarkable, the remarkable thing, as I just wrap this up here, is that Jesus, God, in human form, humbled himself and did what his father requested him to do. He made himself nothing. He gave up everything for the sake of those who would call on the Lord Jesus Christ. He did it all. Read, write it down, Philippians chapter 2, 5 and 8, and you just see the humility that, that Jesus Christ humbled himself for your sake and mine, even to the point of death. Here's some thoughts, some questions. Um, they might be in your bulletin. I, I don't remember. I didn't, I didn't see it all there, so I, it might be there. Just some things, some table talk, if you will. If everyone is born sinful, how can Jesus have lived a, sin, a, a sinless life? Now, there's a fun one to talk about at home, all right? The Bible says that Jesus was born without original sin, and so he was able to live the sinless life we find in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. This is seen in the, very, in, in the, in the special conditions of Jesus' miraculous birth. He was both God and man, as we find in John chapter 1, 1 through 14. Another question or thought, is Jesus the redeemer of everyone in the world? That's a tough one. He is the Redeemer, but not everyone believes. See, there are a lot of people who just go, well, at the end, God loves us so much, we're all going to go to heaven. Did you catch that? Here's the deal, folks. Is Jesus the Redeemer of everyone in the world? But we have to understand that there's a responsibility on our part to believe, to have faith. To call out, to cry out to him and say, Lord, forgive me. I realize now my, my neediness. I realize that I have lived my, my life for myself. I realize that and I need you. I need you to save me. I need you to rescue me. I need you to redeem me out of this bondage. Lord, I need you. Why did God choose to make Jesus, his own son, suffer? You know, again, just real simple that. The, the reason God allowed Jesus to suffer was because of his great love for us. Jesus was willing to take our place to make a way for us to be with God forever. And it included suffering. Jesus was willing to take that suffering. So here's the thought here as we're just wrapping up. That because as we talk about all of these, these questions, there should be a virtue, if you will, or a, a behavioral response that comes from you and I. This ought to, this ought to it, 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 uh, invoke something from you out of the core of your being. And this morning, that, that, that virtue, that behavioral response is humility. It is, it is humility that comes up. And I, I just, just one passage that I want to read to you in uh, Philippians, if you will turn there, Philippians chapter, uh, chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And then we'll close. Philippians 2 says this. And this is the picture of humility. That's the, 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 the beginning of this is all about the humility of Christ. But So if there be any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, 
any affection and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Folks, here's the thing. Here's the litmus test of Christianity right here. It's a behavioral response. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, you will know that they are my disciples by their love or in other passages by their fruit. All right? So here's the deal. The proof of your faith is seen in your deeds and in your behavioral in your behavior towards others. And in this passage that we've just read, the Lord Jesus Christ through the apostle Paul instructs us, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Folks, that is a humble response because of the work of Christ in your life and mine. Humility calls us to love others. We're right back to where we started years ago. What is our goal in, in, in life as a church? To love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as ourselves. And here we are in this instruction, humility. Don't think more highly of yourself, as it says in the book of Romans, than you ought to. So folks, the challenge is here for us as we continue the questions. We have gone through a stretch of of dealing with sin and our fallenness and our need, and it's kind of like, ah, ooh, ick, ugly. And now we're at that point. Is there a way out? Yes, there is a Redeemer, and His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Today, before we close, I just want to say, if you're here today and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He loves you. He made you. He made you to be in a relationship with Him. He made you to live forever with him in heaven. But our sin, our choice to not obey, to not follow, to not trust, has separated us from him to the point of where there is no way we can bridge that gap. And so God at the cross bridges that gap in Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. And he pays the price. And today, if you're not his, if you don't believe, then I just want to say, then cry out to him in the depth, from the depth of your heart and say, Lord, save me, a sinner in need of your grace. Save me. For those of you that are believers today, can I just say this? In humbleness, consider others. Live that out. Be Christ. That passage in Philippians goes on to say, have take on the heart of Christ. Take it on every day. Father God, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for this, this journey through these questions that, that motivates us and challenges us and pricks our hearts and brings us to accountability. Lord, uh, questions that, that leave no wiggle room whatsoever. No wiggle room from your plan that you 
put into place from before the foundations of the world were even set in place, Lord, your plan was already there. And now here we are in this, in this plan, seeing our need for a Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And we thank you. God, we humbly thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, you, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, we thank you for that gift. We thank you, Lord, that he, his payment, his death on the cross, the crucifixion, his death. We haven't even talked about the resurrection yet. Just his death alone, his shed blood on the cross of Calvary pays the price for our sins. God, we thank you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we worship you today. I'm just, as we're closing, uh, Keenan, if you could just pull up the chorus that he is Lord, we can just sing it together. I'll just sing it out. He 